Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildfires, wildflowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin thread. Yet I tell, tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he, be, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Praise be to God. So Jesus, I just thank you so much for Christ Community Church. I thank you so much for what you've done in this space and what you've done in the heart of Brandon and so many others. Father, I just ask for revival in this church among not only the old and the young, but families, intergenerational um, cross-cultural, Father, whatever their heart is, Father, I just ask that you bless them in the name of Jesus, and that, yeah, Father, I just feel like abundance of love in this church. I feel abundance of fellowship in this church, and Lord, I just ask that you grow that, and that you continue to press into them those things, and Lord, yeah, just bless them. Keep them safe. You know their hearts, and I feel like their hearts are really pure. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are in Matthew 25 through 34. I know Brandon is in the midst of a revelation teaching, which is awesome. Uh, he gave me like the scripture for this week and I emailed him back. I'm like, Brandon, I think I'm going to have to pass on the revelation sermon series. I don't know if I trust myself. So <laughs> uh, because of that, I basically was like, Brandon, like, I think you'll do a much better job bestowing that. And so he's going to pick that up next week. So he was like, you can preach on anything that you want. He gave me like a list. And then I kind of was like, I don't know. I felt this the minute he asked me to preach. And he was like, I was like, I've just had this in my head the whole time. So I was like, I maybe I'm supposed to preach on it. I don't know. So here we are, Matthew 25, um, sorry, 6, 25 through 34. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to a crowd of who knows how many, around 5,000. And this is basically the new law. He has come and he's saying, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And here I am fulfilling the things that I've been called to do. And then the crazy part of his fulfillment is that it's basically a little extra of everything that we know in the Old Testament. So while he's fulfilling it, he's basically like, but continue to do more, continue to grow more, continue to prune yourself, continue to love better, continue to love stronger, 
And now pretty soon there's going to be Gentile inclusions, which means love all your neighbors, not just your Jewish neighbors. And that sounds wild for some people back then. So then he enters into this verse 25. And as you can tell, it's all about not worrying. And it's this huge plea to the congregation of, you don't need to worry because now you have me. You have Jesus. And so I just wanted to take this time. How about you pause, breathe, close your eyes. And I just want you to think about your week. Think about the really good things that happened this week. Maybe you got like a promotion at your job or you found out you're pregnant or who knows. Maybe there's just some really exciting things happening in your life right now. Then I want you to think about some of the not so fun things that maybe happened this week. Maybe you had a fight with your husband or your wife. Maybe you're really sick of your job. Think about some of the things that frustrated you this week that really shouldn't have, but they did. So I want you to keep your eyes closed, and I'm just going to reread the scripture over you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or weep or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be worried at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his, in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what will I eat, or what would I drink, or what should I wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You can open up your eyes. So sometimes when I read scriptures like this, that's really encouraging. And it's like really exciting of like Jesus has us and he covers us. And I'll be honest, there's other days I read this. I'm like, how dare I not worry about tomorrow? I'm so worried. <laughs> I'm so anxious. And I'm struggling, man. <laughs> like I need help. And then I kind of come to this part and I'm like, ah, what do I do? And then you go ask people and they're like, oh, God's got you. Don't you just trust him? He's got you. I'm like, I know that. And I think a lot of people, even in this congregation, we know that truth. We know he's faithful. We know he's good. We know he's kind. We know he's loving. We know he's gentle. But then what? Okay, Lord, I've had this anxiety. I'm having a panic attack. Or I'm hurting. And I know I can trust you. But what does that look like? And so here comes kind of what I have kind of seen throughout my life is just this heart posture of prayer during anxieties, worries, and honestly, life. What I love about this scripture that in verse 33, we're going to take a big dive into 33 and 34 within the greater context of what it's talking about. But it talks about, but seek first. So, but is a contrast. And anytime you see contrast in scripture, just pause and look back on what it's contrasting. You can see that a lot in the Proverbs. 
You can see that a lot in the Psalms. You see that a lot in other places, but every time, just like stop, especially in the law. That's great. It says, you'll be blessed this or curse this. It's probably an important thing to realize that contrast. So it says, but, so stop. What, what are we pausing on? It says in 32, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What are the pagans doing? Well, they're running after the things that God has already blessed them in. They are running after that food. They're running after that title. They're running after that fame. They're running after whatever it may look like for the pagans. But if we know Jesus, how do we walk in that opposite spirit? How do we say, okay, but... No, I'm I'm not going to run after those things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So seek, I just, I absolutely love that word. It's been actually my word of the year this year. And sometimes seeking is a lot harder than we realize. It says first seek. So the thing with seeking is that you actually have to find it. You can't just like be like, yeah, I was walking around and here I am. No, you actually have to like look and seek. You have to find it. When we have anxieties and worries and frustrations, it's really hard sometimes to seek that. And I think in the culture of Jesus, no offense, I think they had it a lot harder too in a lot of ways. They too had to first seek his kingdom. And then his righteousness. So I'm going to be honest, you can speak about righteousness the rest of your life and still not completely have a conclusion of righteousness. For the sake of time, I won't go on to, like, this huge explanation of righteousness, but I'd highly recommend doing, like, a word study on it because it's powerful, and it's basically the nutshell of Jesus written into a topic. But the broad spectrum of righteousness is the condition acceptable to God. So if we're seeking his kingdom, a.k.a. kingdom in here and up there, and his righteousness, his blameless, his purity, his holiness. And it says, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Okay, so what is, what is all? What are all these things? Lord, I want all the things of this world. What does that mean for the Lord? In this context, it means what you wear, what you eat, and what you drink. It does not mean that you're going to have like this amazing, successful career and, you know, have money for the grandkids and have all this stuff. No, it means that you're going to be taken care of in the, the best of ways. You don't have to worry about if you're going to have shelter. You don't have to worry about if you're going to have food for the night. You don't have to worry about if you're going to have enough water because the Lord's got you. If he's gotten those grass in the fields, he's got you. And then it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So then I have to pause again, because as I said before, it's really easy to read these scriptures and be like, I'm going to seek his kingdom. Then you get spiritual attacked, and you're like, no. And then we ask all these questions. We're like, how do I not worry? What does it mean to stop worrying about tomorrow? Can I just really trust God? Truly. Are you saying you actually got me? 
And so in the midst of these times when I'm really struggling, this is kind of like the process that I've been going through to help me not worry as often. And so there's steps of prayer. So this is kind of like a accumulation of a lot of different scriptures that I've piled together and kind of like a five-step prayer process. That being said, it doesn't have to be five steps. It can be whatever it wants to be. But this has really helped me. So the first one is thanksgiving and praise. So the reason this I feel needs to be first is when we're thankful people, things just matter less. And that may not make sense, but when we have a gratitude-filled heart, it is so much easier to deal with the things that are in front of us. Like, if we're thankful for the Lord and all that he has done, how can the enemy get in the way of that? Like, if we have a heart posture of gratitude, it is so much harder for people, like, to come in and cut that. What I say is, like, it's walking in the opposite spirit. The enemy is like, focus on all your anxieties and worries. And the Lord's like, no, just be thankful. Okay, but Lord, I'm really struggling. Just be thankful for the smallest of things. For me this morning, I woke up on time. Yes. I have good eyeliner on this morning. I'm real thankful for that. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're just thankful that your family is healthy right now. Maybe you're thankful that all your kids are happy, whole, and healthy Maybe you're thankful that you have a job that you really enjoy or that you'd even have a job right now. Sometimes it's looking at things even smaller than we really want to, but there's just days that it's sometimes hard. And so with that, we can look at Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and penitition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It literally says, rejoice, give thanks, walk in that opposite spirit. Sometimes we have to run because that enemy wants you, and it's really hard to walk in that opposite spirit. Other times, we have to crawl. And other times we have to just lay flat where we are in the race and just be like, I have nothing to give, but I'm still thankful. I'm going to still be thankful. So then comes part two. This comes from Mark um, 1, 15. And it says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I appreciate it so much that you had a time of repentance here. I haven't had a church service that's done that in a really long time, and I think we have lost the art of repentance. I think a lot of the time the church comes and says, oh, no, you have to repent. Bummer. No, like, that's what we should be doing. We should be repenting. We should be really actually excited to give the Lord, being like, I repent for not actually making you my number one this week. I repent for oh, <laughs> idolatry. I repent for my laziness, I repent for my gluttony. I re there's a lot of things that we can go down the list for that we consistently repent on. And there's grace in the midst of that too. But I feel like when we have a repenting heart, we're so much more receptible to our relationship with the Lord and what he's given us. I heard this quote from a really good uh, friend of mine. She said, condemnation comes from shame and guilt versus repentance comes, comes from conviction. Conviction is a molded heart that just wants to grow with Jesus. 
is really what conviction is. It's just like, I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be more holy. I want to be more pure. I want to be more righteous. Lord, convict me. And it even says that when we repent, we then believe more. I don't know about you, for you, but for me and my personal testimony, I know the times where I've been really tested and like, you know, knocked on the door with the Lord on certain things are usually the times that he gives me closer. He's like, hey, 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 come back. Hey, hey, come back. And every time that he does, guess what? It's just like another reason I can trust him more. And then we come into three, which is lamenting. And I think this is something our culture has forgotten completely. In Jewish culture, common all the time. They look like they lamented consistently. Half your Bible is a lamentation. The Psalms, all the prophets, there's even some lamentations throughout. And man, lamenting is just so important to our emotional and spiritual health. I know we want to be people who are always excited and we love the Lord. And we do, but sometimes we just need to cry with him. Sometimes we just need to be with him in the most vulnerable and broken and raw places because that's where we really meet Jesus. I'm sorry to say, I hate emotions. I'm probably one of the worst people with my emotions. And even sometimes I need to go and sit and cry with Jesus. So in their culture, back, you know, back in Matthew 6 time, they understood the purpose of lamentation. They understood the purpose of what it looked like to lament. And they had a heart posture that was willing to do it. So sometimes I think what we do is we get through these couple steps and we just stop and we're like, amen, thanks, Lord. And we walk out of our quiet time or like we walk out of our cars because we're at work now, whatever it may look like. But have we stopped and listened to the Lord? Have we paused? Have we taken the time to actually hear what he has to say back? Because guess what? If we're still worried, if we're still anxious, it's probably because we, we haven't taken the time to hear what he has to say. He, we haven't taken that time to hear his words. So then I think this part four is one of the most important, and it's just listening. Are we going to miss what the Lord has for us by not stopping? How often in your daily practice, in your daily walk, are you actually just being with the Lord? Same for them, too. Back in Matthew 6 time, they had so much to worry about. I don't think thing has shifted. Like, life has not shifted enough to stop worrying. I think they worried, if not the same or more than we do now. And Jesus is like, don't worry. Okay, well, how, Lord? Give me wisdom on that. Give me peace then. What am I supposed to be doing? Okay, listen. Sit at the cross. Sit with me. And then the last one, and I just love this one. It's celebration and joy. To remember regardless of what you're worried about, even if you're still feeling anxiety or worried or frustrated or whatever it may look like, that God is still really good and like his goodness flows from that. Have you been having joy in your relationship with the Lord? Have you had joy in your life recently? I think this last year for 2020 for us, like joy was taken from us and I think we need to take it back. Joy is vulnerable. 
And it can sometimes be a little scary to have joy in a world that's kind of joyless. But I feel like God, when he said, do not worry, said, I'm placing more joy back into your life because you won't have time to worry. You'll just be really joyful and joy-filled. And then again, what does it look like to have biblical joy? Somebody once asked me, what are characters that you see in Jesus? And so we started lifting, listing them off and, you know, holiness, wisdom, wise, probably walked with maturity, all these things. And somebody said, I think Jesus just had a lot of joy. And I think sometimes we miss that character nature of Jesus. But I, I believe that he did. I think he walked with a lot of joy. And if um, the worship team could come back up. So I just want you to close your eyes again. And again, I want you to think about that same week that you just had. Maybe lament a little bit. Or maybe just give a lot of thanks, whatever it may look like, that your kids are healthy and whole, or that you do have a job that you can go to, or you have people that love you in your life. And just start thanking that and blessing that. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble its own. So in the midst of that seeking out, where was Jesus when you were having that disagreement with whomever? Where was Jesus when he was holding his hand after another false pregnancy test? Where was Jesus when you haven't opened up your Bible in a while and it's been really hard to open it back up? Where was Jesus when you're watching your child struggle to do his homework? I'm not going to stand up here and say that I don't struggle with this. This is a constant battle for me too. You're not alone. Jesus has got you. And he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. So yeah, Jesus, we just, uh, we trust you in the midst of our worrying, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our life, that you have called us to greater good things that you just know us so intimately and so well that when we just are so thankful for you when we really truly show us your heart that there's nothing else that can come between us so Father just give us an abundance of joy regardless of our season of life and that we just love you so much Amen Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.